another episode of the Big Knowledge Football Dynasty Podcast. I'm Sonny and I'm your host. So welcome back. I hope you uh, enjoyed that turd of Super Bowl. That was uh, pretty disappointing. I, I, you know, I've heard some talk over the last few days. In fact, I wrote something on Reddit, uh, kind of just condemning the Super Bowl, saying how boring it was. And I think I said something like, "If you enjoyed that, then you probably enjoy boxing matches where people, you know, expertly avoid getting hit." Um, it, you know, it's, it was it was boring. I'm sorry, it was boring. I don't know why everyone has come out to defend the Super Bowl like it matters. Why does it matter to you that the Super Bowl sucked or not? It was a crappy Super Bowl. It wasn't just that it was defensive. It was just not offensive. It was not exciting. It didn't do anything for me. So I, I was, I mean, <laughs> whatever. You know, it's just the Super Bowl. And I, I really wasn't that excited about the Super Bowl until a day or so before anyway. Um, and then I was like, all right, let's get this game going. Let's have a good game. Um, and then it, it just disappointed. So the, the, the food, the family, that was the real win of the Super Bowl and the rest of it, you know. It was boring. It was disappointing. I don't care what you say. I, I watch sports for entertainment value, and I didn't get entertained. It was not a good uh, game. It was not. A, there was just a lot of mishaps. Brady played terribly. Uh, Goff was not good at all. I mean, it was not one of those games where – and I understand the Patriots outplayed him, and the Patriots probably could have won, you know, I think the Patriots could have won like 23 or even worse, 28 to 3 or something. I mean, they really could have crushed the Rams. Um, so to me, 13 to 3, it was more and it was more an indictment on the Rams, but nonetheless, it was a boring game, and it just, the Patriots didn't do us any favors. Belichick, you know, <laughs> he's like, it's kind of like Belichick and Brady is kind of like watching Floyd Mayweather fight. You know, it's like, you know how great they are. You know how great Floyd is, but it doesn't mean you want to watch him. It doesn't mean you want to pay to watch a guy um, who doesn't really want to put on a good show for you. He just wants to win. And that's, you know, that's fine. That's, that is, there is something to that. But um, unfortunately, greatness is not always great theater, as I like to say. And that was not great theater. So anyway, it was kind of a turd of a Super Bowl. But oh well, we we play dynasty football, so those you know those to me the Super Bowl is just like the cherry on top of the Sunday of the entire season of ice cream and hot fudge and the stuff that we actually like. Um, so uh, one thing I want to say is I did finally I got two reviews for the show and some five star ratings as well. So I do want to say thank you to AJ Stone thirty three and O six W one nine something seven five. You know who you are. Um, thank you for the the reviews. It means a lot to me. I do appreciate that. It just, uh, you know, I had to, t- took 10 months and a little bit of begging, but I'll take it. I mean, it's amazing just what a little bit of positive feedback can do uh, just for the morale and uh, motivation of a show like this because, you know, I don't get paid any money. In fact, I put money into paying for the little bit of uh, server time and stuff, and, and I do it for fun. I, I This is definitely a creative outlet for me, so it's not that I, but it, it, it definitely, when you hear people say, hey, I appreciate what you do. It's amazing what that means to us, to those guys who don't, we don't, I'm not looking for money, I'm not looking for anything, I just want a little feedback to say, hey, I appreciate you taking the time, and, and what you, you're providing gives me some value. So, thank you guys, I appreciate that, thanks for the five-star ratings as well, and uh, anyway, let's get to the show. So today, we're going to carry over um, from the show I did a few days ago, or a few shows ago, with the, um, I think, it, <laughs> I've already decided to change my plan. First, I was like, okay, I'm going to do a rookie, and I'll do two players from the league and kind of talk about each one um, based on like a dynasty spotlight. So I do want to do the dynasty spotlight, but I kind of realized that uh, I have a lot more rookies that I'm looking at and a lot more rookies that I want to talk about um, than I do necessarily players in the league right now. So I just realized it's much probably much better for me to do the two-for-one, two rookies, 
and a veteran or you know player that's kind of could, we could do a little uh, player spotlight on. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into it. The first player I want to talk about is AJ Brown. So you know I'm kind of trying to hit some of these top receivers prospects, some of the guys that are highest on the list and, and are getting the most um, likely positioning up there at the top of the draft board. Um, and I will tell you, as I watch these receivers, I'm kind of doing them. I've, I've scanned a lot of them. And, and like if you heard my last podcast, I talked about David Seals. I did watch stuff on, on those guys. Uh, maybe I didn't um, feel like I had enough to put together kind of a spotlight on them. And that's why I kind of just threw them into a show of kind of like, guys, I probably won't um, be drafting. Even though David Montgomery, I probably will come back around and talk about him some more. I do want to see uh, where he ends up um, and, and kind of where uh, his, his combine numbers line up just to kind of see but i still to me i think if, if he's a top top couple you know top five pick which most people are, it's kind of like a sure thing at this point i, I don't see myself drafting him uh, and then the other guys yeah just kind of the same thing where I, i've done some looking at these players and so the three players i have today in fact are aj brown macaulay hardman and uh, cooper cup and macaulay hardman was one um, that i was going to stick on kind of my sleeper list or you know kind of guys to look out for list but i'll because i'm going to be doing one of those but i feel like i really want to talk more about him so i went ahead and gave him a little dynasty spotlight here okay so let's get back to aj brown so aj brown um wide receiver for Ole miss if i'm sure you know this by now if you're listening to this podcast and you've listened to a ton of stuff and i'm sure you have gotten to the point where you understand that they have two really dynamic receivers and really three pretty good receivers uh, aj brown dk metcalf and uh, DeMarcus Lodge, I believe, is the third one. He, he to me, is kind of not irrelevant at this point. I think he was a pretty highly touted high school prospect, but he's grown, outgrown that in size. And just, you know, as far as his, it just doesn't seem like that's going to that's gonna happen for him. He's more of a late-round prospect. Could have a role in the league, but I don't think it, it's really going to be anything that we can count on for fantasy. So we'll, we'll be talking about DK Metcalf at one point, but I want to talk about A.J. Brown. So, like I said, I will be looking at these players, and then I will start comparing them to the other players I've seen because that's kind of how I'm going to have to start kind of piecing them together. And when we don't have the combine yet, we don't have the draft, I'm not going to start, like, giving I – don't, I don't normally like to do player rankings anyway, but I'm not going to start giving you, like, a listing of this guy and this guy and that guy I think's better. More so, I kind of want to start, you know, identifying who are these kind of first-round type guys? Who are the guys we can get in the second round? Do we – would we prefer – um, second round guys at their value over the first round guys at their value because that's the kind of thing that when I look at this draft, I think there's no doubt that there's some really good receivers, um, some really just guys who could come in and just shake the league up and really take over. You know, I, it wouldn't shock me if just some of these guys just came in and just started kicking some of these um, mediocre talents that are kind of fighting for jobs every year and just kind of kicking them to the side and taking those spots and just saying, "Oh, you know, I'm here and, and this wide receiver class is here." Um, so the first-round talents definitely do intrigue me, but I think part of me is also seeing so much. I just see a lot of depth, and I see a lot of guys that I'm intrigued by that I think are going to start going much later, second, third, fourth-round rookie picks for us, um, maybe even free agents, some guys I'd love to just start snagging. Um, because if you're like me, you're going to end up with – you probably already have a team you're built. You know, So this is – you don't have tons of space to just add all kinds of flyer wide receivers. You need to pick a handful of them and add them. So either you're going to add a first-round guy and then a third-round guy. You just don't have that many spots to try all five guys that you may like. You're going to end up getting a couple of them uh, per team maybe. Um, so that's where it's – for me, I'm trying to decide. Do I want to just I, – I want to, do I want to get out of the first round? Do I want to just, just you know say, okay, yes, I like the A.J. Brown. I like Nikhil Harry, but do I like um, you know some of these other guys that I'll be talking about later? 
if once I start seeing where they're drafted, once I start seeing where they're being drafted in rookie drafts, then it will really kind of give me an idea, okay, this is the guys I want to target. Um, until then, I'm going to be kind of focusing more on just like, okay, is he go if he goes to the right situation, if it all works out, is he going to be an impact player or is he going to be kind of mediocre? And that's that's just kind of, it sounds like it's simplifying it, but for me as dynasty players, we need to kind of see, is he going to be above that level or is he going to sink below that level? Um, because sinking below means he still makes the league. You know, college, great college players are good NFL players and fantastic college players are great. And, you know, it's like, NFL players, you just kind of, you always take a step down. There's a few players that just complete, everything they do completely translates to the next level. Um, but in most cases, you really have to kind of give everybody kind of a notch down, especially when it comes to these skilled wide receiver positions, because speed and those kind of things, it's just, you're playing against college defensive backs and then you get into the pros and there are no slow or weak defensive backs, you know, in comparison. So what I love about uh, AJ Brown is his build um, he's six one and he's two hundred and twenty five pounds. That's like kind of a running back body, but he doesn't look like a running back. He just looks like a very solid human being. He's just it's like top to bottom. He doesn't look you know huge in the legs. He doesn't have a huge upper body. He's just kind of big. He's just kind of thick. Just a very thick two hundred and twenty five pounds, six foot one man. Um, he you know the first thing that jumped off to me was like man he doesn't look fast. I really feel like he's not fast. But what you kind of, as you watch him more, he has this quickness, agility, this kind of like swivel in his hips. I wrote down a very smooth, he's a smooth athlete. And for his size and with his strength, um, I do think that'll translate. Um, another concern for me was just there's a lot of talk about how he played only in the slot. And so there's it's unsure whether he can play on the outside. And I didn't see him just like go up and dominate people um, a la some of these really tall, you know, six foot three guys who have leaping ability. He was more nuanced route runner, kind of getting open, getting separation kind of player. Shades of Juju. Um, I don't think he's as quick as Juju, um, but he reminds, actually, he probably reminds me most, and I, I don't want to do too many player comps um, with these kind of players because it's just always, it seems like that's all we ever do anymore, but it really does help me kind of wrap my head around some of these players. And I think Antoine Bolden jumps out just because when I saw Antoine Bolden, I remember thinking like, yeah, he's not that fast. Uh, I don't know if he could do it, but he sure is strong and like, you know, kind of like smooth athlete. And that's, I, the thing about Antoine Bolden is though, I thought he was always a great deep ball receiver and I'm not so sure A.J. Brown has that, so... I'm not sure where I fit in A.J. Brown, but I will tell you, I think I like him better than Nikhil Harry at this point. Um, just because um, with Harry, I think there's a bigger bust factor. There's a, a more of a chance that um, his skill and his uh, dominant kind of whatever streak he has in him uh, won't translate as well. I feel like A.J. Brown, while he is strong and he does play a little of contact, that's not his strength. That's not what he uses for his main um, to, you know, to like carry his game. His game is, is more nuanced. He has some, I think, a better route running, um, some good quickness. Uh, and like I said, kind of lacks in speed. Sometimes I just see guys running him down or he just doesn't. But at the same time, he looks so strong that I just don't think that a lot of guys are going to want to try to tackle him and he looks ready to, to kind of take them on. So uh, it, it does concern me also that um, all of these guys played on the same team or at least for par- part of their time i guess dk has been injured quite a bit but he th- it just feels to me like it's really hard to judge sometimes when you have multiple talented players on the same team um because 
therefore they're going to have to, you know, one of them is going to get the double coverage or none of them are going to get double coverage. But either way, they're not going to get the coverage that they may deserve at the, as the caliber player that they are. And therefore we don't um, get to see how they actually match up as a premier college talent um, being treated as the premier guy where another guy like Nikhil Harry or something who's on a team um, and they are that main guy, it's gonna, it may... So enough about A.J. Brown. Let's talk about Macaulay Hardman. I think that's his name. It's neither Macaulay Hardman or Macaulay Hardman. Um, this guy, and I will preface this by saying I do have him on my Debbie League. I only have one Debbie League, and a lot of the players I have in my Debbie League I've already become attached to, um, and therefore as they come into the league, I already find myself like there's a part of me that cheers for them and wants them and wants more shares of them, more um, than in, in, even other players that I know maybe are better prospects, but I don't have them in my Debbie League. So so just I want to preface that, that I do have McCoy Hartman in my Debbie League. I have been following his career for the last year, um, so I'm kind of like smitten with him already. So with that said, let me tell you about McCoy Hartman. Um, 5'11", 185-pound wide receiver out of Georgia. He's coming out as a junior. He came out of high school as a five-star prospect, one of the top, pretty much the top athlete. He, didn't, he wasn't even really considered a wide receiver, I don't think. I think he was just like an athlete. They didn't really know exactly what he was going to do. Um, so he hasn't been playing wide receiver necessarily. He was going to play defensive back some, I believe. And he does kick returns, punt returns. So he's just like this, you know, very raw but special athlete. Um, but that what what really intrigues me about him is that I feel like I feel like there's maybe a handful of human beings on the planet um, that have the juice in their legs that Tyreek Hill has. And I think McCoy Hardman is one of those human beings. And he plays football and he's going into the same league. And there's just not that many guys that come in and can do what um, those guys can do. That Just the ability to... He, you know, I, there were so many different plays I saw where he would be running across the middle and he would be just kind of like be slow and under control, um, to waiting to get the ball, and then he would catch the ball. And then he'd look upfield and then just explode past everybody where it's like Secretariat when you watch Secretariat and it's like you can't even see the other horses in the picture. That was McCoey Hartman. He's just blowing past everybody. Go, those guys, those defensive backs weren't even in the picture by the time. They're 20, you know, he only ran 20 yards, just out of control explosion. So I'm excited to see him at the combine. I think he's going to blow up the combine. Um, I almost hope he slips or something and doesn't have because I've already seen it. You see it on tape. You don't need to know um, that kind of explosion. Just it's so clear. And he's playing, you know, very very talented defenses in the SEC. So with with Georgia, I know he didn't get a, a, a real chance to show what he can do, but he did get some chances. I think that's the, the few concerns I did is when I looked over statistics and I kind of watched his season unfold. Early in the season, he was getting, you know, he had a couple games where he had eight targets and six targets and six targets, and um, he did okay with them. He Oftentimes, you'd see his line, and it would be like one catch or two catches for 60 yards and a touchdown, or one catch for 40 yards and a touchdown. I mean, he takes it to the house. He's one of those few players that can just literally take anything to the house. Um, and so... Yes, it's, it's kind of a boomer bust pick, um, but what I like about that is that it's boomer bust. I mean, I really, I think that I can acquire shares of this guy and be pretty confident that either he's going to kill it and be great, or he's not going to make it. Um, and that that will become clear to me because even if he's just a deep threat who um, you know impacts a little bit, but it's not fantasy relevant, that to me is not making it. So. It's either he's going to be figuring it out and how to be a wide receiver or he's just going to be 
this really fast guy. And I think that, that that'll tell itself out. And, and for me, when you watch so many prospects and you really look at so you start to evaluate players for what their potential is and, and where where you can find a place for them. So many of them, you have to already start with their ceiling lower down to a certain point, just based on their athletic profile, just on their athletic ability alone. Their ceiling has to come down to a certain point, and then you start adding up all the other factors, good and bad, um, to make up the rest of their you know outlook and how they're going to be able to you know overcome their so-called you know shortcomings as an athlete with Macaulay Hardman he starts at the very top I mean aside from his size he's muscular he can take he can take physicality he's not like just this wimpy little guy and he's you know we'll be talking about Marquise Hollywood Brown who I really kind of think is an amazing guy as well he's really explosive and I really like watching him play but he's like 160 pounds that scares me and and while I do have some interest in Hollywood Brown to me, I think I'd rather have a guy who's naturally 185. Um, just that little bit of extra weight is, is a difference because it's not enough to you know to have you just being an every down, taking a beating over the middle kind of player, um, but it is enough to give you the, to shield you from just getting broken out there. I mean, maybe that's just my opinion, but geez, 160 pounds is what I weigh, you know, and, and I'm not out there. I could make it maybe two plays before I would have some kind of broken bone or torn ligament. So definitely. Um, Concern, you know, for size would be the only thing. The only thing about McCoy Hardman that I would really worry about is that he's not real big. So there is going to be a limitation to his ability um, to be like a number one receiver, like an Antonio Brown or something. Antonio Brown is that size, but he's like totally the exception, completely the exception, not the rule. Um, and what I see with McCoy Hardman is it's so limited his route tree, what they asked him to do or what he was able to do, and that's hard to tell. It's hard to, you know, I've read and I've tried to find out things about him and I just couldn't, there wasn't enough information for me to glean any kind of like idea of whether um, he's really working out his routes. But I will say I saw nuance with him and I didn't see somebody who ever was out of control. You know, he would, he can run under control as fast as most players run, you know, when they're running full speed. And then when he catches the ball and puts on the juice, everybody else is just in the dust. And Given the opportunity, and given lots of opportunity, I see you know the ability for lots of points. Just to have to see where that opportunity comes from. Georgia was definitely not the opportunity, but it worked well with what they did. I mean, they have great running game, and then and some some deep threat and some weaponry. Um, but as the stretch season came down, he did kind of disappear from their offense um, in some of their key games against Alabama. He was they were putting up uh, you know two to three hundred yards. Uh, passing and three touchdowns, and none of it was going to him. He wasn't really, you know, he was maybe a decoy, um, but I wasn't overly impressed with the way he finished the season. So maybe that's part of the reason he just decided to come out. Um, but I, I have this sneaky suspicion that he came out because he got word that he's going to be um, a coveted player. That's what I believe. So when I heard somebody say sixth or seventh round pick, I thought. Yeah, you know, at first, like I said, I was a little disappointed because it's not confirming what I was kind of thinking for him um, as, and as my Debbie player and as a guy I'm going to be targeting. But at the same time, if I really want him in all my 15 dynasty leagues, then you know what? I better start figuring out a way to get him and better start keeping an eye on him and planning down the road and seeing where he starts to move on other people's radar. Um, so he's one that I'm really, really going to be watching. Every year I kind of fall in love with certain guys, and, and it's hard to know um, – you know how it's all going to pan out, but I, I'm really I'm hoping that McCoy Hardman kind of slips. I have a feeling he won't. I have a feeling because I'm, I really I think that they I, I heard something 
I think it was Mike Lombardi talking early in the year, and he was talking about Odell Beckham and how if, if the Giants offered Odell Beckham straight up for Tyreek Hill, that the Chiefs would laugh him out of the building. And, and people were kind of surprised by that comment, and I wasn't because I feel like Tyreek Hill has shown that he's this super weapon. And the league really is kind of, there's, they need, it's like super weapons are, are everything is kind of just changed where you need these guys who can just impact the game by themselves without much help. You don't, you know, because there's only so many Tom Brady's who can just slowly, you know, poke you with the needle until you die. Most of these guys, most teams need somebody who can really be so dynamic like Tyreek Hill, and there's just not very many of them. So I don't, I just, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe his abilities um, in his his slow down, his, his you know, um, short area cutting ability, because I don't see much of it on tape. Unlike Tyreek Hill and, and Tariq Cohen and the guys who have really just changed of direction and ability, I didn't see it. But it's not, I'm not sure that it was necessarily that it, he can't do it. He just, once he decided where he was going to go, he was like a rocket. You know, he's a small guy. He's not trying to get tackled. He's not trying to, to work his way down the field. He would just pew, fly down the field. He'd get out of bounds sometimes. But also he would just kind of like, if he started getting tripped up, his body, his momentum's going where he's going to land, and that's it. So, you know, I, I think that with McCauley Hardman, you know, let's keep an eye on him. I'm really high on him as far as his physical gifts. And I, I'm guilty, I am guilty of being, I love these type players. Exciting, explosive, guys who can do things that I can't do intrigue me as a human being. You know, the, granted, I, all these guys can do things that I can't do. Tom Brady can do things that I can't do, but theoretically I could imagine yeah if I put my mind to it I could really I could end up being a quality quarterback I could never put my mind to being Tariq Cohen I could never put my mind to being McCoy Hardman or Tyreek Hill because I could never imagine what it's like to just be able to go and run past everybody just so fast so agile just stop on a dime that's a physical gift that God gave them and I marvel at it because I can't do it. So as you know, just being honest, I've always had a kind of weakness for these players. But when you look across my teams, I have remnants of that. John, some John Rosses, and things. I always kind of fall for the guys. So, but I what I like about McCoy Hardman is I don't feel like you were pay, probably not going to have to pay much of a price if he starts going up the charts and ends up a first round pick. Then, and then I, it might even go further than I'm willing to go. But that also. Like I said, I'm excited about this kid. I really feel like some team's going to say, we need this kid. We can turn him into a, you know. And, and let me tell you also one other thing I want to mention about McCarman. He is one competitive SOB. Um, he is a red ass. You know, he, I read this thing about how he is the first one through, they have the, the Georgia sign, and, you know, they always have the players run through. And he's never not been the first one through. He's always the first one through. And they talked about it, and he, He's just like, I like being the first one through. And he just runs faster than everybody else so nobody can be the first one through. And other players on his team have tried to, like, sucker him and, like, distract him while someone else runs to try to be the first one through. And he's not having it. He just runs around them and runs past them and says, no, no, no. And still, no way. They can't. They haven't figured out a way to beat him to being the first one through the thing. So not only is he so fast that it's just like everyone's just kind of thrown in the towel and been like, yeah, okay. McCauley's the first one that gets to go through. But also, he's just he's competitive. He wants to win at jumping through the paper thing. So that that's a good sign for me because he's going to want to win at being a great wide receiver and uh, maybe just hasn't had the opportunity to prove that yet. So that's my second guy, McCauley Hardman, for you. Uh, keep an eye on him. Let's really watch him. 
and, and it's almost hope that he doesn't get too much hype because I, I'm still sold on him. If he gets drafted later, that's all the better. Um, okay, so the final guy I want to talk about is a guy in the league, and this is one that I just want to kind of have give my, my dynasty take on, and that's Cooper Cup. So Cooper Cup, the wide receiver for the Los Angeles Rams. Um, let me see if I can pull up his stats here real quick. What I liked about Cooper, man, I really liked a lot of things about Cooper last year. And then even coming into this year, he was crushing it early in the season. Um, but my take on Cooper Cup, I'm just getting it right out there for you, is I think this is the time to sell Cooper Cup. I really think this is the time to sell Cooper Cup. Um, yes, he's coming off an ACL injury, so if people are trying to get him at a discount, then I'm not saying sell him at a complete discount. But Cooper Cup is... He, there's just so many factors to why I think that he is due to not to no longer be the guy that he was over the first year and a half of his career. I mean, first of all, we have the emergence of Josh Reynolds. Um, you have the emergence of Brandon Cooks and Robert Woods in their perspective positions. So Brandon Cooks isn't going anywhere, and he does what he does. Robert Woods isn't going anywhere, and he does what he does very well. They both there's not any need for them. Um, to be moved around and kind of Cooper Cup always had his role, which was that slot position role. So now enter Josh Reynolds, who, yes, he's made some mistakes. Maybe he's not as good as Cooper Cup, but he's also shown himself very well, and I just don't see how they're going to completely eliminate him from the game plan. Um, also, Gerald Everett has has shown up and has shown that he could be a really talented player and a force um, over the middle in the same kind of role and the same kind of targets. Um, and then not even that's not even counting Tyler Higby. And then on top of that, if you count what I consider somewhat of a regression by Jared Goff um, in that offense in general, and we haven't even talked about the fact that he's coming off a torn ACL from the middle of the season. I just see so many factors that tell me this is time to sell Cooper Cup because people are still – everyone I talk to when I just mentioned in talking to different people about Cooper Cup, everyone's like, oh, yeah, I love Cooper Cup. Yeah, Cooper Cup is so awesome. Oh, I love Cooper Cup. He – you know, I'm probably losing listeners just by <laughs> – like literally people have probably hit stop on this right now. I'm, they're not even listening to me anymore because they're just – the moment I started bashing Cooper Cup, they're like, ah, screw this guy. I, just, I know there's a love for Cooper Cup, and I, I, he's, I think he's a really good player. I just think that the situation is changing – and I think that um, I don't see a way for it to get out and change real quickly. Now, he's young enough and he's talented enough that if you're just be- you're betting on talent, then agreed, he's, you know, he's probably worth hanging on to. But you know, if you look at his stats, this last year, he, this, is what I, this is impressive. I'm going to tell you some impressive stats. And that is he had <clears throat> 55 targets, 40 catches for 566 yards and six touchdowns in his eight games. So essentially, he would have had like 80 catches, 1,100 yards, and 12 touchdowns over the full season if you just correlate that out. That's what you need to be using to sell him to somebody else because that makes him out to be a very good wide receiver, and it showed that he did that right before he left his for his injury. And it pretty much duplicates, aside from the touchdowns, what he did the previous season where he had 62 catches, 869 yards, and five touchdowns in only – what, six starts in 15 games played. So it just says to me that, oh, he's right on progression. Yeah, he had an injury, but we've seen Cooper Cup, Juju Smith-Schuster, any of these guys. He's comparable. No, he's not. No, he's not. His situation's not. Um, there's just so many things about it that, to me, he's not. And I think it's time. If you have, I will say, and I think I said this in a past podcast when I mentioned it, but I don't have any Cooper Cup shares. I just never, I didn't, the timing wasn't right. I do have some Josh Reynolds, so maybe I'm, in, in my head, I, I see it differently than other people do. 
But I don't, I'm not saying that I think that Josh Reynolds is going to come take the job from him. I'm saying that I think that uh, he's going to come take a little bit, though. You can't just not have that guy back out on the field. He, he offers uh, uh, you know, a lot of things that Cooper Cup offers and doesn't offer, I think. There's, Cooper Cup doesn't have his speed or his jumping ability. Um, Cooper Cup's probably a better route runner and seems to kind of work those zones better. But it, it may be a little tougher. I don't know. I mean, Josh Reynolds has really impressed me. So, and then add Gerald Everett, Tyler Higby, the regression of Jared Goff, the fact that you still have Brandon Cooks and, and Robert Woods that aren't going anywhere. And, and, you know, that's not even counting any, you know, receptions that Gurley may come back and get um, if he ever turns back into a normal great football player. I do not know what's going on with that. And I, and I don't think we should waste our time trying to figure it out. Wait till the offseason. Maybe we'll get some clarity. Definitely don't trade trade him away Gurley. Uh, don't don't get into that kind of thing yet. Let's let's wait and see and, and kind of hear a bit more. So, anyway, that is it. I think I don't have much more for the podcast. Uh, thank you for listening. If you want to get a hold of me, you can find me on Twitter at Big Knowledge F O One. That's Big Knowledge Football, um, or you can email the show at Big Knowledge Football at Gmail. Um, I did appreciate the reviews. So any other reviews, keep them coming. I appreciate it. And uh, I think that's it. I got uh, some other ideas for podcasts coming out. So I'll try to get to. I'm trying to knock out smaller podcasts so I can get them out more often. Um, and then from there, we'll just see how it goes. I want to get a lot of these names out there, you know, kind of talk about them before the combine because, I, like I said, I want to reassess afterwards. And there's so many guys that I want to look at that the more I look at them, the more I go, okay, I, I've got a beat on this guy or what I feel about this guy, at least for now. Uh, let's talk about him. So I'm going to be doing more of that. Anyway, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you soon.